You know, when we travel, there's something about playing in hostile environments, you know, that they just come together, they keep it tight, they have a unique skill set of eliminating distractions, staying focused, and, uh, you know, I have to give them credit for that. Hey everybody, Chris Harry with you on a special wildcard edition of Chargers Weekly. We have an all-star lineup to get you ready for Sunday's playoff game against the Baltimore Ravens, including CBS Sports' Jim Nance and Phil Simms, NFL Network's Steve Weish, ESPN's Eric Williams, and the voice of the team, Matt Money-Smith. And we'll start with five-time National Sportscaster of the Year, Jim Nance. All right, my first guest will be on the call this Sunday for Chargers-Ravens on CBS. Very pleased to be joined by Jim Nance. And Jim, it's hard to believe you and your partner, Tony Romo, you haven't been on a Chargers game since Thanksgiving of last season. And since then, the Chargers 17-5. and We're in for one heck of a game in Baltimore. You know, that's almost impossible to explain, and I can't, uh, you know, I can't, I can't. I, I wish I could. I, <laughs> believe me, I've been wanting to do a Chargers game. Uh, I live in California. I live up north of uh, of you guys, and uh, I've been pining for the chance to have uh, the Chargers in front of us. And who knows, maybe we'll make up for it here, Chris, over the next month for the lost time. You know, this team's capable of getting on a run, and and winning in any building, so uh, let's see what happens. Well, I sure hope so, and let's just start with this. What's it like for you personally to transition from regular season to postseason games, especially given the fact that you're going to be following this thing all the way through to Atlanta? Well, we try to do it exactly the way we do it every week. You know, you don't want to suddenly say you had something in reserve and you're going to approach this in a different fashion. You're going to prepare harder or you're going to focus a little bit better. I mean, you, you hopefully you've had that kind of regimen down every single week. We've been on a, an incredible run, Chris, in, in recent weeks uh, with close games that have been nail biters. I mean, I'll just give you a little example. We had on December 16th, New England and Pittsburgh, monster game, ended up being the most, at the time, most watched regular season game of the year by rating. Uh, came down to Brady, four throws into the end zone, and the, and the Steelers won. Um, the, the following week, we had the Saints, hosting the Steelers, came down to the last minute, the Steelers driving to win or tie and coughed up the football. That usurped the previous week as the most watched show of the year in the NFL, uh, another nail biter. And then just last weekend, we had Cleveland at Baltimore with everything on the line for the Ravens. So it was essentially a playoff game, just a riveting game that came down to a last minute interception by Ravens. C.J. Mosley to save the day. So they felt like, but short of it is, they have felt like playoff games for the past month. We're not going to do it any differently. I just can't wait for it to get here. I'm excited about seeing the Chargers. I've watched that entire first game just two weeks ago in its entirety, uh, and I'm anxious to see what the rematch looks like. Well, Jim, you mentioned that rematch. It was just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, what in particular stands out to you about what you saw in that first matchup? I think the, the the way that the Baltimore defense was able to to control things that that was I can't say it was shocking because I've seen the Ravens now three times in the last five weeks, including a game down in Atlanta. Not that the Falcons, who finished seven to nine, were any great shakes, but you have Matt Ryan, who's a former MVP of the league, Julio Jones. They had their their arsenal. They had it at home, and the Falcons ended up coming up with ninety seven yards passing, thirty four on the ground. 131 yards of total offense. And then you know, watching the Chargers game, it was a similar thing. You know, you just could not solve the riddle of how to move the football on the Ravens' defense. 
And uh, that that was stunning to me, uh, just to see see what Los Angeles with Philip and everybody were just unable to do. But I've seen it now happen multiple times. Well, it starts with this dynamic rookie on offense, Lamar Jackson. He spearheads this this unconventional offense, Jim, and in turn they dominate time of possession. And then that leaves that dominating defense just just fresh, you know. So it's already a a high caliber defense. And then on top of that, you got an offense that keeps the defense off the field. Well, schematically, they're winning on both sides of the ball, like you said. And they're doing things that no one else is doing on both sides, schematically. The defense, first off, yes, they're well-rested because the time of possession uh, that is in their favor by a large amount with that run-heavy offense is working. But that defense always looking like they're going to blitz two or three extra guys. They have eight on the line, and the quarterback has to try to figure out who's dropping back and who's coming. And until Baker Mayfield threw for 370 yards last week, uh, the defense has pretty much had its way. The offense, though, to go with a system that you would see in college, maybe college of yesteryear, and you keep thinking someone's going to figure out how to close this out. (laughs) Sure, Someone's going to figure out how to take it away from them, but it hasn't happened so far. Jim, what's impressed you from afar about this Chargers team? Twelve and four this year. They're seven and one on the road, which is tied for the Saint with the Saints for, for the best in the league. And that's they're eight no when that's they get it. on an airplane this year. Wow. Well, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't thought about uh, when they get on a plane. That's a good one. Uh, I'm, I'm, of course, going to steal this and use this tomorrow uh, on the game on Sunday. <laughs> you but, should. Uh, the, I will. The, the, the way that the team has played on the road to win in places like Kansas City, to win at Pittsburgh. Now, we know the Steelers didn't make the playoffs, in a large part, by the way, to not, not beating the Chargers. But that is going to serve them well. They're going to come into a great environment, a real hostile environment this weekend in Baltimore. And they're going to be unfazed by it. They've been through that. Uh, that that's going to be of great benefit to them. Now the question is, if they win the game, where are they going to play the next week? Will Indianapolis beat Houston? Which, the way things are going right now, the Colts won in Houston three weeks ago. Colts have had this magnificent second half of the year. If the Colts beat Houston and then the Chargers win at Baltimore, that means the Chargers will be at New England. Uh, I got to tell you, there aren't many teams that I believe could go in and win in New England. They didn't lose a game there this year. This is a team, and the Chargers, I believe, is ready for that occasion if they're given the chance. I'm not saying they will win. I'm just saying I think that they are certainly capable of winning, and I don't think there are a lot of teams that are capable. I believe the Chargers would be one of them. And uh, then from there, you still would have one more game to go, presumably at Kansas City. One never knows. Uh, but, of course, they're familiar with how to win there. They just did that a month ago. So it's uh, it's uh, it's, it's going to be a great chase in the AFC. I mean, uh, this is a very dangerous team, and, and everybody knows it. And just, the first thing they got to do is they got to come out and do things differently than they did two weeks ago. You know, Jim, and it starts with Phillip Rivers, and whether it be a regular season game or that 2008 AFC Championship game, you've called a lot of Phillip Rivers games what do you admire most about number 17 and, and just the way he's playing, the way he's played over the last 15 years? Uh, there's a lot there to, to admire, to be honest. Uh, you know, It starts with just the man that he is outside of football. Uh, he's a tremendous guy in his community. Uh, he's, a, he's, a great, he's a great family man. I admire Phil 
Phillip Rivers uh, an awful lot. And, uh, yeah, I've had a lot of occasions to broadcast his games. Wouldn't it be something to see him be able to play in Atlanta in the big game? The way he's played his whole career, he deserves to have that chance. Kind of have this little sneaky suspicion he's going to get a chance to do that. But we shall see. Uh, as far as what he does on the field, uh, he's close that he makes. Just look what he did in the late stages at Arrowhead this year. That one fourth quarter, throw, fourth down throw late in the fourth quarter across the middle uh, was as precise a pass 20 yards down the field as I've ever seen. Uh, and then, there's, of course, the leadership course, which is off the charts. Uh, I don't see anything slowing down in, in Philip Rivers' game, even though he's 37 years old. I think he's better than ever. And, uh, and I could serve them very well here in the next few weeks. Jim, we'll get you out of here on this. You saw this Ravens team last week. You've seen them a few times towards the back half of the year with Lamar Jackson under center. Uh, what do you think could decide this game on Sunday? I think that you hit on it earlier, Chris. They've got to figure out how to try to control that run-heavy attack by by the Ravens. And, you know, in the last game, Jackson beat him up on that long throw to Mark Andrews, which basically he ran for the last 50 yards of it, 64 yards, I believe, was the touchdown. Uh, he got he got uh, free in the secondary, and, uh, you know, off he went. But uh, I still, in my gut, feel that somewhere along the line, someone's going to figure out a way to contain the run against the Ravens. No one has so far. It's interesting. In our game Sunday against Cleveland, Baltimore against Cleveland, Tony Romo, my partner, said this is such a moment and adjust their instincts and what their eyes are seeing and not fall for all the fakes and, you know, just they're just not ready for it. He says, I think a team that sees them a second time is going to be able to figure it out a whole lot quicker. Well, that's that's the case right here. This is going to be a team that's not only seen them for a second time, they're seeing them for the second time in 15 days. Um, so will that, will that mean that things go differently? One never knows, but it should serve them well. And, um, you know, it's going to be, again, it's, listen, it's a great stadium if you haven't been there before. Uh, and, and, and it was an awesome scene on Sunday when, when they pulled that one out in the end with the game-saving, division-saving interception. But again, all that hostility aside, I don't think, I think the Chargers are pretty immune to that. Um, they've, they've got to solve, they've got to solve the riddle on both sides. Got to figure out how to advance the football against that defense, which they had no luck in doing last time. And they got to figure out how to, go against this offense that no one ever sees and figure out a way to slow it down. I tell you, Jim, last point here, the, the Ravens averaging 230 yards on the ground with Jackson under center. The Chargers actually held the Ravens to 159 yards rushing. The first play from scrimmage was a Gus Edwards 43-yard rush. So outside of that, just 3.4 yards a carry. So they had something going. Um, they just couldn't get it done in the end. It was 16-10 with, with three minutes left. I, I think we're just we're in for a gem on Sunday. You know, in that game, uh, Jackson threw, I believe, for 204 yards in his seven starts. That's the most. Of course, again, the, a, a good chunk of it came on that one play, which wasn't a 60-yard heave. It was, a, it was a tight end getting free in the secondary. And, running the great majority of it, but you're right. I mean, they were driving at the end of the game. The Chargers were. Antonio coughed it up. Uh, we all know that. Not to stain anything uh, from his Hall of Fame career, but they, 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 maybe they did. As that game was going on, 
maybe they figured out some ways to to be able to control it. You might be right. Well, Jim, like I said, it's I can't believe that we haven't had a game with, with you and Tony this year, but now uh, as good a time as any. Uh, can't wait to see you in Baltimore, and we're looking forward to it. Well, we're looking forward to it, too, and you know, we've got to make up for some lost time. Right? <laughs> we do. Trust me, as a guy that uh, has been very fond of this, uh, of, of this team and many of the players I've known for a long time, uh, it's been a very strange thing uh, not seeing them. I will give you one little parallel on the way out here, Chris. Years ago, well, let's see, it would have been in 2010. We did not see Peyton Manning and the Indianapolis Colts the entire season until the AFC Championship game. Unimaginable. Peyton Manning's in your, in your network package as the AFC network carrier. We never saw him until the AFC title game, a game that the Colts won, and they went on to the Super Bowl. So one never knows. Oh, that's unreal. Jim, thank you so much for your time, and uh, we'll see you at MNT Bank. I look forward to it. Come by and say hello, please. All right, here at the Hogue Performance Center with Eric Williams of ESPN. Eric, what's we've up? made it, man. Playoff time. I know. It's here. It's about time. It's about time. Week 17, strange. It, it kind of felt like a, a preseason game yep. in, in some in some ways. 12,000 no-shows at Mile High, which is... That never happens. No. That place is always full. Um, you know, you have kind of the Black Monday looming with all the different coaches around the league getting fired afterwards. But the game itself, yeah, I, I do think it kind of felt like a preseason game. Just the just flat, not a lot of energy in the building. And um, I think that kind of spilled over to the field a little bit. Mm-hmm. I mean, the guys are playing hard, but um, you just didn't see that extra energy or juice that – you saw at Pittsburgh or at Kansas City or sure. even at StubHub. Yeah, it was a kind of a, a punt fest in, in, <laughs> in the first quarter. Um, the interception at the beginning, but listen, the the Chargers they forced four turnovers, yep. and I think it's a, a good a time as any to to start generating turnovers as they get into the playoffs. Yeah, I mean this is the time, and and I asked Anthony about it in the in the presser uh, on Monday. This is the time where your defense really needs to be playing well. And although the offense is kind of struggling a little bit, the defense the last couple weeks, they showed up. And if your defense is going to give you that kind of consistent performance week in and week out, keep games close, that gives you a chance, and that's all you really ask for in the playoffs because really it's about getting stops and then scoring points when you're in the red zone, whether it's field goal or touchdown. You just want to get points on the board to put pressure on the other offense to, to match. Yeah. Um, and so if your defense can can keep teams you know, right around 20 points with the way that this offense has played throughout the year, you got to think at some point they're going to figure it out. A million different scenarios going into Sunday, mm-hmm. and the most likely one – Yep turned out here Baltimore Ravens it's a rematch your initial thoughts here I think this is the game that you wanted to play Mm -hmm. I know most of these teams that are in the playoffs are happy that Pittsburgh is not in the playoffs because that offense is so explosive I felt like they were a sleeping giant had they gotten in they would have been like oh now we got life I mean they just have so many playmakers on offense that they can hang 30 on anybody if they get it going now obviously they had a lot of distractions going on in Pittsburgh and that's one of the reasons why they're not in but if they would have got in and kind of figured things out, that is a, a team that could be very explosive and very um, you know, potent in yeah. terms of what they can do on offense. So to me, you get Baltimore, you get a rookie quarterback, 
yeah, their defense is one of the best in the league and, and, and tough to, to figure out in terms of what they're doing in their front seven, and they're really strong on the back end with Eric Weddle leading them. But um, I just feel like from a defensive perspective and mindset, knowing that you have Lamar Jackson there and you know they want to run the football, you know that they're not going to run – uh, a whole lot of different type of offense. Yeah. So I think that helps you from a game planning perspective. Plus, you just played them two weeks two ago. Week, I mean, you got tape on them. And I think that's what's most important is that you're going to get to see this offense twice, make some adjustments. Mm-hmm. And we we talked about this, you know, after the, the Ravens game. You know, you're down 16-10 for as poorly as everything developed for the Chargers. Three minutes left. Had Gates not fumbled, who yeah. knows where it could have been a 17-16 game, and, and Chargers are you know 13 yeah. and three. And you really didn't play that well. Mm-mm. So you have to feel good about that. You didn't play that well, and you're still like right there, ready to kind of take control of the game if if you don't turn it over. Um, but still, you still have some things on offense that you have to figure out. You have to get Melvin Gordon going. I think that really is the key, yeah. is they can run and create balance. I think that would make the game easier for Phillip, and you're not relying on him to make throws on third and six, third and seven to keep the chains moving. Um, so their ability to get that ground game going against that imposing uh, Baltimore defensive front, I think, is going to be important. The offensive line in general, too, and just protecting Phillip, giving sure. him time to throw the football. That was something that uh, he, he was hit probably as many times as he's ever been hit this season mm-hmm. against that Ravens defense. Um, and also, I think it's important to mention the fact that Austin Eckler wasn't in that game. Yeah. And it, to use him as a kind of a security blanket to dump, dump the ball off to and really compliment Melvin, I think that'll be important on Sunday. Both of those guys, I really think that's a key part of the game. They complement each other so nicely. Figure out a way to get the ball to the back out in the flat. When they had it going early in the year, that's what they were doing. They were making teams defend the running back out of the backfield in the flat. They created a lot of chunk plays that way, and then they worked off of that. So I would I would see if they could kind of get that going, either screen game or or, or, or built-in plays where you're trying to get the ball to the running back and see if they can get some explosive plays out of that. Baltimore makes you play their game. You know, we were just talking about the they fact dictate. that the 200, yeah, 296 rushing yards against the Browns. They held the ball for over 38 minutes. They've been dominating time of possession during this this win streak with Lamar Jackson under center. Is it something where you just you just have to play their game and, and beat them at their own game, or how do you get them out of that? You got to get ahead. Yeah, <laughs> I mean that, something that this team has not been able no, to do. I mean, you see even winning games. What the numbers were first quarters? They haven't been great the last five or six weeks. They haven't been able to get ahead and play the. The way they want to play the way the Chargers are built is they get ahead and then now you have to throw the ball as an opposing offense and now Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram are getting after you so they have to get a lead even seven nothing seven nothing's a big lead that's a big deal for that for that yeah. that Baltimore offense because now they can't they can't do the things that they want to do in terms of controlling clock because they feel like they have to get points so I, I do think it's important that you're able to to get a lead. They almost did it in that Baltimore game. If Phillip had put a little bit more on that ball to Mike Williams and you get a big play and you're able to get going. Um, so I think they, it's important. I mean, this team obviously can can come back. They've, they've shown that. They have the resiliency to do that. But I think, ideally, they want to get ahead and put pressure on Lamar Jackson in that offense. Going into that Denver game, 
five of the Chargers' last six wins, the opponent had scored first. So, you know, I I go back to maybe Cleveland and Buffalo where they comfortably got ahead and and just stayed ahead. Uh, We haven't seen that towards the back half of the year. It's as good a time as any to to get that going against the the Ravens, especially I think that first or second possession, that first quarter is going to be huge. Yeah, no doubt. And you're playing on the road, so the crowd's going to have an impact. Silence crowd a little bit. Um, but it's been interesting to hear some of the comments from the players talking about embracing uh, the hostile environment. I think Virgil Green, you yeah, talked yeah. about. He's, he's, uh, you, read, you, read Eric's article <laughs> from from, uh, from Sunday. Say the guys are talking <laughs> sexy to me when they start bad mouthing him yeah, on the field. I love it <laughs> that he likes the quarter of the year that. in 2018. He feeds on that, and then you know, um, uh, Derwin James, you know. Uh, any squad, any time. Yep. And that just kind of goes back to being That's been their mile ASAP. Any ASAP, squad, ASAP. any place. Okay. Yep. There you go. Um, so, yeah, just going to somebody else's house and, and being able to to, to kind of take their will away, impose your will, and, and come out with a victory. It's been impressive, too, in December, the, the fact that they have been able to do that. You know, when you go to Pittsburgh, again, you're down, you come back. Same thing in Kansas City. Seattle, same thing. But those are all hostile environments. So, listen, I know Baltimore has great fans, and it's going to be rocking on Sunday. Sure. But this isn't anything new to these Chargers. No, and I, and I think that helps. Like, they, they can kind of lean back on those experiences in those places earlier in the year and know that they've had success in those type of environments. And like you said, Baltimore isn't going to be any worse than Seattle or Pittsburgh sure. or Kansas City in terms of noise and, and fans being riled up and, and that kind of thing. Uh, so I think that helps. Uh, but ultimately, it really comes down to execution. And, and can you execute better than your opponent? I think another key here is going to be turnovers. Can you I was, steal that was, some possession? That was the next thing I was going to throw at you because, you know, Phillip has thrown an interception on the first series of the last three games. Um, that's something in the playoffs that could bite you right sure. off the top if you allow that to happen. He's got six turnovers in the last three games. He had six interceptions he had six interceptions in the first 13 um so it has been something that um has has been an issue and it's something that you know he needs to kind of figure out you know whether he's forcing it or maybe he's not seeing things clearly or or he's just trying to make a play um he has to be a little bit more uh, mindful of taking care of the football and then on the other end i like the fact that they were able to get four turnovers against the broncos last week that's big turnovers come in spurts and, and when you're able to do that, I think it can become a little contagious, and hopefully that spills over uh, to, to the Baltimore game. You got to pack a pass rush, right? And we saw Joey get his fifth and a half sack. But you got to be careful, though, right? Yeah, especially against the Ravens. <laughs> well, against Lamar, you, you, how you're going to rush the passer because he's so quick, he can just get out of there in a blink of an eye, and all of a sudden he's, he's explain, got 25. Explain on how him. that's different with Lamar and the way they run this offense versus a, a traditional just drop-back passer? I think with a traditional drop-back passer, well, let's say it was Flacco back yeah. there playing. I mean, yeah. you know where Flacco's going to be. He's not going to run away from you. And even if you do, he does escape, a lot A lot of times a three-tech or a defensive end is going to be able to catch Flacco. Now, if you push Lamar, he's first of all, he's, he's probably going to run. Mm-hmm. And if he's running, he's not necessarily running to throw. He's running to go get yards. And so that puts, um, that puts an, an onus on the back end to have to come up and tackle, particularly if you're playing man and guys are running away from you and you're not in zone mm-hmm. and you don't see Lamar, he can eat up a lot of yards before somebody 
catches up with them. So when they do rush, they have to be cognizant of that and make sure they stay in the rush lanes and that they're containing him and not let, giving him lanes to, to get out. And maybe they'll have a spy there too, an extra person just to, to watch Lamar in case he tries to escape. So you really have to, from a game plan stand, standpoint, account for all that. As we take this, there's a chance that Hunter Henry will make his Mm -hmm. debut this year in a playoff game against the Ravens. How much of an impact do you think Hunter's presence puts on a Ravens defense, just really in terms of just sheer game planning, I guess, Eric? Yeah, I think that's fair because, you know, whether or not he's going to be active, and we don't know. We don't know. The fact that they have to think about Hunter being out there gives them an added thing to – to, to game plan for in terms of a defense, what different types of sets they would want to use him and, and how they're going to use him because they don't have any film on him from this year. They'd have to look at past years. So it maybe adds an added stress. Uh, on the flip side of that, I don't know if you can really expect Hunter to add a lot um, because he hasn't played. He hasn't done anything in the offseason. He didn't have a training camp. He won't have participated in a padded practice because they're not having any at this time of year. So, I mean, if he did play, maybe 10, 20 plays sure. at the most. Um, so I, I think it, it maybe puts a lot of pressure on somebody that hasn't been going through all these, all these things in terms of games and practices and maybe isn't up to speed coming off of a, a, a significant injury, major knee surgery. Um, so I don't know. I, I would guess I would say I would limit my expectations if Hunter does play. Yeah. Um, but I think you're right, though. It does give – the Ravens. You got to think about it, sure. and, and, and also maybe because he's a legit player. He's a legit player, and he's he's a he's a combo player too, and he could help in the running game, and in a game where you need to control the clock yeah. with Gordon and Eckler. Maybe maybe that's just an added guy to maybe help you do that. Sure, it, it could be because because Hunter, when he was healthy, was one of the better run blocking tight ends uh, in the league, and it was great because you never knew whether they were going to run or pass because he was effective at both. Yeah, and and so I think that kind of helped you in terms of game planning for the other team. But again, no padded practice. You haven't even really seen him run block. What what are you what are you going to get? Exactly, yeah. exactly. It's but again, it, it's I think at this time of year, if you have to have the opponent. Yeah. Do a little bit of extra sure. prep for You're looking for every little edge you can get. Exactly. Eric, we'll get you out of here on this. What do the Chargers need to do? Like, what's the most important thing they need to do on Sunday to, to get out of there with another road win? I, I think we kind of talked about it. I think a fast start is, yeah. is very important. Getting up early and being able to play from ahead because they haven't been able to do that. And it seemed like when they were playing their best football, they were getting off to fast starts and really controlling uh, tempo. Um, so I think that's important. And um, I think defensively, obviously, you have to stop the run. I think they did a pretty good job of it the first time they played it. Mm-hmm. They got 159 yards for an offense that what, they got close to 300 against Cleveland last week. Yeah. They can really uh, control the clock by their ability to, to just continue to move the sticks with the running game. So be able to, to, to limit the run game a little bit, force Lamar to make plays with his arm, third and five, third and six, make him make some throws. Uh, will be important, and I think you got to take the ball away. I think anytime you're on the road, you have to steal a possession or two to 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 get things in your favor, and then you have to take care of the football. Yeah. You, you you can't give the football to to the other team. So I think the turnover battle is going to be huge. I think their ability to to limit plays in the running game defensively, and then on offense, I think you need balance. Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson, one of those three guys has to 
to, to either get to 100 yards and they need to get to 120 yards combined yeah. as as an offense rushing the ball. Yeah, or, or even total yards, just these extended runs, the little dump-offs too, sure. just to keep the clock rolling with guys like Eckler. The running backs need to have a major impact yes. in the game on offense. Let's just say that. 100%. Yeah. Eric, will get you a crab cake in Baltimore. <laughs> Looking forward to it, man. That sounds good. Thanks for having me. I always appreciate it. All right, Chargers fans, want to remind you that Thunder Alley and Louie G, they're hosting a wild card Chargers viewing party Sunday, January 6th at the American Junkie in Hermosa Beach. Early arrival suggested, 9 a.m. Cheer on the Bolts as they take on the Ravens. Again, American Junkie, Hermosa Beach, 68 Pier Avenue. Photo ops with the Charger girls, playoff merchandise, and more. And at Pizza Hut, they're more than a $5 lineup of medium one-topping pizzas, wings, and Cinnabon mini rolls. They're the easiest choice you'll make all week. Just $5 each at Pizza Hut when you buy two or more. All right, now joined on the line by Phil Sims of CBS Sports. And Phil, I know it's a busy week for you. Thanks so much for taking the time to talk about this heavyweight fight we got on Sunday on CBS. Well, we got a lot of heavyweight fights going on, I think, this weekend. It's pretty cool. It's a very exciting, I think, um, wild card uh, round of playoffs here in week one. All four games, I find them compelling, exciting. And, of course, I know you want to talk about the Chargers and the Ravens. And it's a fight we've seen before, and I love rematches. Phil, before we get into the game, as a former player, you started 10 playoff games, Super Bowl winner, Super Bowl MVP. What's the most important lesson that you learned in the postseason that you wish you probably knew before you started your first playoff game? Oh, you you know, Chris, I'll tell you, I I think there's a couple things to it. Um, You you know, it's not one of those things where we played the game, my first playoff game, I played out in Los Angeles against the Rams. They beat us during the regular season. We played them again in the playoffs. We beat them. And I I, got to tell you, it wasn't where – Anything where I was nervous because it was a playoff game any more than I would be for a regular season game. Uh, it was exciting in that respect. When you ran out in the field, you knew that, wow, this feels different because you could feel that excitement and electricity in the crowd. So that was pretty cool. And then when I played my first playoff home game the following year, uh, that was really a, a great treat. And soon, as soon as I ran on the field in 1985, we played the San Francisco 49ers. I knew we would not lose, and and because it was like it, it was incredible. The feeling you could feel the the fans as you come out to warm up. The stadium's already half packed, which is never that way, and uh, it, it was really just a great um, experience. And you, you you can't get enough of it. That's why you want to keep playing. You know, Phil, this Chargers team. We've talked about it really. Ad nauseum the last few weeks. They're eight and sure. when they get on a plane this year. They they have been fantastic on the road, seven and one. The only loss actually came in LA County to the Rams. They won in London. They won in Seattle, Kansas City, Pittsburgh. How much confidence do you think that gives a team going into January, knowing that you can win in hostile environments? Yeah, well I think that um you, you know, of course it gives them confidence. But what gives them confidence, I think they know they're good. Uh, they've proven it many times, and I think what gives them confidence even this weekend, even though the game is in Baltimore, they go and look at the game they played a couple of weeks ago and say, except for a couple of mistakes, we, we slugged it out with them and had many chances to win the game. So, you know, it, it's it's not like, um, you know, I, of course fear is not even the word they would have going in there, but since they've been successful on the road, tells you a lot uh, just about how talented they are 
how well, well coached they are, and really the other thing is how diverse they can be. Because nobody's good enough to just say, we're going to play the game this way and beat you. You've got to be versatile in the NFL, and you've you always got to be able to adjust. And when I watch the Chargers, you know, I can't wait to see some of the adjustments they make on Sunday against the Baltimore Ravens. Well, that was my next question, Phil. You know, you, you talked about the fact that it's a rematch from just a few weeks ago. How do you think it affects game planning, really on either side, knowing that you just saw these guys a few weeks ago? Well, it's great. I think it, it, it helps you the second time around. You know, both sides are going to learn from what they could and couldn't do. You know, you could study all you want and watch guys on tape. Then you line up against them, and all of a sudden you go, wow, they're a lot better or maybe not as good as I thought they would be from what I saw, you know, studying them during the week. But, you know, just one thing I think the Chargers learned in that game, just to, my first thought would be, when you run the football, don't try to run it up the middle against the Baltimore Ravens. They got like 700 pounds of pretty good athletes right there in front of them, the two guys. Uh, Brandon Williams and Michael Pierce, and, and, and even other starters. So if you want to run on it, I think you got to run on the edges where they're smaller and get in the, you know, I hate to even use that word, but give yourself a little more space and make a really, really big front seven, especially the front defensive linemen and outside linebackers. Make them move around more and just don't play straight ahead at them. Is that the most difficult thing about this Baltimore defense that a quarterback must combat is just that, that front seven? Because I think the thing with Phillip, he, he's going to have to get the ball out of his hands very quickly against this pass rush. They like to bring pressure. Well, they do. They're not afraid to blitz. I think the thing, if I had to say one thing about the game they played the first time, is that they pushed the pocket so quick and so not easy, but with their power and their size. And, you know, quarterbacks, it's one thing, you know, to get pressure where you can move, but when it just slowly comes right at you and you can't step up and there's nowhere to go because they're very disciplined when they try to rush the passer, that it makes it tough. And Phillip Rivers didn't have the space or the time to look down the field and really gather himself to make the throws down the field, which the Chargers are great at. You know that, Chris. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do to try to give him more time, get rid of the quickest one way, you know, those type of passes. But two, you know, they're a team that's had great success throwing the football down the field. So if you've got to keep the tight end in or you've got to keep the running back, those type of things, to give the quarterback more time, then you do it because – in the NFL, it's about big plays, and they'll need some big plays this weekend to win. No doubt. And and Phillip has a, a ton of weapons on the outside, starting with Keenan Allen, Mike well, Williams. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh, well, they're loaded. Yeah. They're loaded. It's the, one of the best receiving cores. The only problem is, there's just one problem, that the Baltimore Ravens have one of the best secondaries in the NFL. So it's an unbelievable matchup in that respect. And uh, it was fun to watch last time. And, and the – Chargers will have chances for big plays because of the blitzing by the Ravens and the fact that they all play a lot of man-to-man coverage. So then it just comes down to can you beat the man, and the biggest thing will be what? Can we give Phillip enough time to let the receiver get down the field, make a move, and get open? You know, Phil, another guy who did not play in that game who who should be available on Sunday is Austin Eckler. And just the way that this running game has gone this year, not just the, the runs, but these extended runs, these these short dump-offs, Eckler wasn't available yeah. in that game against the Ravens. And, and he certainly makes a difference. We saw he had 58 yards uh, rushing against uh, the Broncos Week 17, had a 41-yard rush. Uh, he makes a big difference. 
Yeah, he does. Um, you know, I don't look at him and say, hey, if he can get outside and run, that's great. But I look at Austin Eckler and, and think that he would be more of a force in catching swing passes, getting rid of the football quick, screens, that type of thing. Uh, you know, there was two things. Uh, getting rid of the ball on the, on the outlet pass, I guess whatever you want to say for Phillip Rivers, that and crossers, those short crossers, which they're great at, which make teams that play man-to-man coverage very hard to cover. But the Ravens kind of had the answer for that, and they were waiting on them or right with them, chasing them across the field. So, again, that'll be another adjustment, and um, anxious to see that. I think the Cleveland Browns watched the Chargers, watched the Chargers play the Ravens, and said, oh, that was interesting. Let's put another little wrinkle to it. And they did, and they made big plays against that defense. In fact, Jarvis Landry probably dropped, I don't know how far it would have been, probably an 80-yard touchdown pass that hit him right in the face. Uh, just caught the defense by a surprise. And I think that, uh, like I said, second time around, what did we learn? How do we adjust? And can we make it work? That's what's going to be really cool to watch. Phil, I want to ask you about Phillip Rivers just, just as a quarterback because he's going to tie you, actually, this Sunday with 10 postseason starts. I imagine, as a former quarterback, you have great appreciation for the way he's played the game over the last 15 years. Well, sure. I mean, you know, listen, <clears throat> when he came out of college, did I think he would be the quarterback that he is? No, I did not. I watched him. It seems like he was on TV every week when he was at North Carolina State. They were a little ahead of their time the way they threw the football so much, uh, you know, the short passes, crossers, all those things. And, man, what a good training ground to be a pro because he's taking advantage of it. And, you know, I always say it just goes to show you he, he has great feel to throw the football. He's one of the best back shoulder throwers in the league. It's one of the first things I wrote in my notes when I wrote about the game. Rivers, one of the best back shoulder throwers in the NFL. I'll say it every time. I don't, I don't think I've said it on TV yet this year because so many other things come up. But, <laughs> Maybe this Sunday. And, and also, but also, the way he throws, people say, oh, this and that. I go, well, that just shows you the, the old concept of the high release is just a bunch of bull. And he, but he technically, just to get into this, technically his throwing motion has about 98% really great things, and the only thing you can complain about, if he does get a pass tip, which doesn't happen very often, but... Uh, He's accurate, great touch, and great feel on the throws, and, um, you know, what a career. The toughness, too. You know, he hasn't missed a game. 2006, which really, when you when you think about it and, and just the, the physicality of this game, it's hard yeah. to believe that Phillip has been the Ironman that he's been. Well, it's a, you know, I look at him and Eli both, and just Eli Manning. You know, I, I see him all the time in media, and I just look at him and go, how in the heck did you not get hurt? I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's not like he's. But there's something to it. It's it shows you you got to be a little lucky. There's no question. But he knows how to throw, get rid of it, not take the big hit. And then when he just knows how to relax, if he knows he's going to take the hit as he throws it, where it doesn't cause as much damage. So it's really been tremendous. It's not like he's always had great offensive lines. I've seen him play under pressure for a whole year because it seemed like there for many years the offensive line by the time they got to the second game of the season was already decimated. Uh, so this year it's been solid. Um, he's got great experience in front of him, and uh, all those things have helped. But uh, the way he plays has really been really unique, and it's fun to talk to him when I used to do games and fun to watch him play. Phil, we'll get you out of here on this. 
I want to talk to you about Anthony Lynn because you famously played for Parcells and Coach Lynn comes from that Parcells coaching tree. When you watch this Chargers team play, especially over the last two seasons with, with Coach Lynn at the helm, he has a lot of different influences from, from Parcells to Shanahan to, to Coach Walsh. And uh, I think just his authenticity and just being his own guy is one thing. But sure. do you see any similarities in terms of the toughness and the discipline that some of your Giants teams had? Well, you know, listen, I definitely see the discipline. I think the first thing he did was he formed a great coaching staff. I mean, when you get Ken Wisenhut as your offensive coordinator, and you get Gus Bradley on the other side, who I think has done a terrific job with the personnel and what they've done and kind of created a new defense, and it's it's really been awesome, and it's a great match for the Baltimore Ravens. But that's what really impresses me about Anthony Lynn, that people want to come work for him. My son knew him with the New York Jets. He played with the Jets under Anthony Lynn and was up in Buffalo at a time with him also. And he used to say to me, you know, I'd almost argue. I said, how can he be a head coach? He, you know, he, I think he needs to be a coordinator. And my son says, no, no, he doesn't. He just is, I think he's going to be a better head coach dad than he is an assistant. And I just mm. went, well, that's pretty uh, interesting. And, and I listened to it because my son judges people very hard, my youngest son. Yeah. And it's turned out that way. So it kind of shows you, you don't have to necessarily be a coordinator before you become a head coach in the NFL, but it takes some guts and some great insight to make those decisions. The Chargers did it, and look what it's done. I mean, it's been really uh, a really good start to NFL coaching career by Anthony Lynn. No doubt. And he's got this team in a position to potentially make a run here in January. And we'll see it on Sunday. We'll see you before the game on the NFL today, Phil. Thank you so much for your time. Yep. I can't thank you enough. All right, Chris. Great talking to you. Look forward to the game on Sunday. Thank you. All right, here at the Hoke Performance Center with Matt Money-Smith. Money, about to call his first playoff game. Yeah, exciting. It's going to be fun. Excited to be part of the postseason. Unfortunately, uh, a team that ends up earning a 12-4 and record has to go the route of a wild card. How about but that? We've seen success you know, from this position in the past. I mean, something that Anthony Lynn certainly knows about. Won a Super Bowl with the Broncos as a, uh, as a wild card team when he was uh, a running back there. And, and also, you know, the Giants did it when they knocked off the, the perfect record Patriots in the Super Bowl. So it can be done. It's just it's not ideal. You'd like to think a team could get rewarded for, uh, for putting together 12-4 and seasons. Listen, I feel like I've said this a million times, like a broken record over the last month, but I still find it mind-boggling that this team is 8-0 when they get on a plane. It's 7-0, or 7-1 rather, road record tied with the Saints, but you count that London game, you take the Rams game out of it, 8-0 when you get on an airplane. That's hard to believe. Yeah, I think there is something to this team, um, and I don't know if it's the, the constant questions about Los Angeles that they don't feel like answering their football players. You know, that's that's not what they're interested in talking about. And anytime they, I think, play in L.A., that's inevitable that the opposing media that comes in or the national media is going to want to get the bigger picture along with just the football game. And, and I get the sense they're just tired of it. They're, mm. they're tired of, of, of those talking points. When they go on the road, they do feel like they're – a team of underdogs with chips on their shoulder and they play well you know they just they play well with their backs against the wall for whatever reason and the road forces you to do that more often than not adrian phillips was on our our backstage podcast yesterday and he said people just don't understand he's like it hypes us up like that seattle game before the game they're jumping up and down as if the seahawks fans are cheering for them you know when renegade comes on yeah in Pittsburgh. dancing i mean it's it's just wild i think i think also there's there's something to uh teams that come into la and it's something that i've you know been doing this as long as i have you know not just here but teams from cold weather climates 
feel like they come to LA to push a team around. Mm-hmm. Like like teams out here just they're not hard enough. They're 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 going to lose the physical battle and they come in with that mindset. And I'm not saying that the Chargers fall into that trap, but I do think teams tend to play a little bit harder trying to establish physical dominance when they come to the West Coast. And I think Conversely, when the Chargers go on the road, it's like, oh, we're not some soft L.A. team. This defense can get after it. Our running game's going to bully you. And I do think there is maybe a little bit of that psychology at play, home versus road. They've avenged losses to Kansas City and Denver. Baltimore on deck three weeks ago. Uh, what'd you take from that that first matchup that they can apply to this one? Well, I think uh, well, what they can apply, I, I think, is that they played their worst game of the year and had a ball at the opponent thirty nine down six with three minutes left and all three timeouts and a two minute warning. Could have been seventeen sixteen. Yeah, and and a, and a play that you know, look, I, I hate playing the what if, what if, but again, they played their worst game of the season and that was a pretty shaky holding call against Okun uh, and, and even a worse hold to be honest because Suggs was coming up field was not going to make that tackle as Gordon went off left side for eight yards and now you really got some momentum so um, that's what I take away is they played terrible and still had a chance to win that game in the final three minutes the other takeaway is they're going to have to clean up the inside of that line um, I mean that that is where Baltimore won that game defensively they got pressure right up the middle and that's just that's the toughest sort of pressure for Rivers to deal with. So they're going to have to push that pressure out to the sides, let him climb that pocket and be more effective. Yeah, Phillip was hit eight times in that game. He was sacked four times. I think defensively, though, listen, you see 159 rushing yards. That's a lot of rushing yards. It's really not when you talk about this Ravens offense who runs it all the time. 43 of those yards came on that that Ravens first First play from scrimmage. So after that, 3.4 yards per carry. They they did a pretty good job containing the run. I think the bigger number there is 39 for Lamar Jackson. I mean, you you tell a team, hey, you're going to hold Lamar Jackson to 39 rushing yards. They'll say, where do we sign? Didn't 25 yards come on like one play? Yeah, so it's like, where do we sign? Let's let's do that. Um, And then I think also... The, the one thing to come out of that defensively is the passing yards. I mean, you're talking about a busted coverage and a misplayed angle by Jaleel on the Andrews touchdown that goes for 68 yards. So everyone's touting the, oh, it was Lamar's best passing game, 205 passing yeah, yards. Was... Okay, well, it was really one play. Um, that kill momentum for the charge. They, they just scored. They just, just scored, scored took the lead, and immediately gave it up two plays later. And look, that's, you know, the Baltimore Ravens can play that game too. Like, well, we had a fumble, and it was their short field that gave them their score. Outside of that, they did nothing against you know the Ravens offensively so you could you can play that game both ways but I do think I do think this is a defensive battle this is a 16-13 game um, and unfortunately for both teams you're going to be facing a kicker that's got a ton of confidence Michael Badgley has got a 59 yarder on the season and Justin Tucker who's the best kicker in the game and it very well could come down to a last possession and which one of these two kickers is going to be able to boot one from 55 58 yards with no time on the clock yeah Tucker's automatic he's got a 56 yarder this year too and it's inside 50 I think they're both perfect so, I so mean, there's that. That's that's just what yeah. it is. Uh, I thought it was encouraging that this Chargers team forced four turnovers in Week 17. I know it was against the Broncos. I know it was kind of a weird game, but just the fact that you need to turn the ball over in the playoffs and you can't turn the ball over money and and that's something that we've seen from this Chargers team the last three weeks that we had not seen earlier in the year it's been terrible yeah and it's been bad opening drives I mean you know this is a team that struggled to get out and then look you want to beat the Ravens you better put them in a hole that's that's if you want to beat them and be comfortable about winning the fourth quarter you got to win the first quarter that's the thing if you can win the first quarter against the Ravens go up let's say by 10 and force them to abandon I mean they had a they had an 11 play five minute drive 
on that Saturday night, on November, uh, whatever it was, that 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 December game. Yeah. That, that went f- that that went 31 yards. That's crazy. Insane. You can't do that they if down, you're down 11, 10. 11 of the first 15 minutes, the yeah. Ravens had the football. So that's if you go up 10, they can't do that. They can't. And, and that's the one thing about And look, there's a reason why teams don't run the option and run mesh regularly or run, you know, what they're running out there. Bone. I mean, you want to call it whatever you want to call it. They run it all because that's you end up losing games. You know, like, again, the Browns have a chance to win a game in the final two minutes because the team just doesn't score enough points because they're going to turn the ball over when they keep running mesh over and over and have that exchange that we saw go sideways twice. The Chargers came up with it once. Um, and you can't win games by scoring field goals in a touchdown league. So mm-hmm. that, that, that to me, is, is kind of something that, that the Chargers can take advantage of if they can get out to a lead and figure out why this offense has been so bad on their opening possessions these last three weeks. They've scored 20 points in every single game except for that Ravens game. And one player who did not play in that game is Austin Eckler. I think he could be a big X factor in this game. Well, that's the way, you know, I, I've got to believe. You, you Look, you want to slow down a five-man rush. They're, they're blitzing almost every every snap. If you want to slow that down, especially because the stunts they're running on the interior of the line, yeah. start attacking the edges. Yeah. You know, attack the edges with those dump off passes or those stretch runs to Gordon and Eckler. And we saw what Eckler did it, it, for an offense that was vision, struggling man, yeah. against the Broncos. He really was kind of the catalyst that got it going. He, you know, he hit that edge for, I think it was a 41 yard run. It was the longest play from scrimmage in that game. And that's when it's like, oh, yeah, that's what they were missing. As good as Justin Jackson was, I think he caught seven balls in that game against the Ravens. Um, and as good as he was when pressed into action. Eckler's just a special player. I mean, he really is because there's just no let up. When Melvin sits down and, and Eckler comes in, you know, you almost get a little bit of a different style of running, but it's also a very physical style of running. And I think that's kind of what happens. And granted, there's enough film out there that people see Eckler and they're like, oh, yeah, he's not some small third down back. This is a dude that brings it. Um, but they can't stop it. So yeah. I think that's a huge upgrade for the Chargers offense, especially if you can attack those edges and get them to have to slow down a half step on the inside of that rush. He and Melvin complement each other so nicely, too. I even go back to, I think it was like week one against the Chiefs where they had like almost 300 yards combined between the two of them. So, you know, Melvin is had an all-pro year, but when you insert Austin into that mix, too, it just makes both guys, I think, that much more dangerous. Well, and also it's it's really what what added to Phillips Philip Rivers' season and his special season was a lot of those yards in the passing game came from backs. I think it was 800 and I think it's a little over 830 yards between those two uh, in receiving yards. When you talk about you know Rivers and his 4,000 yards, that's a huge chunk that are going to backs. Yeah. And that's a way, again, to get that defensive front to slow down a half step you know if they're if they're coming full you know full head of steam and he's just dumping it over the top to those backs on the edges and they can take that for eight nine yards a catch like they have been all season that's how you get that defense to slow down a little bit and I think Phil he's got to get the ball out of his hands quickly and and, you know in terms of pass protection these running backs that's a big part of this game as well sure Uh, you know when you think about the the big plays um, against the Ravens and you know the biggest play at least one of the biggest plays that uh, Wasso sack uh, the second one was blew by an interior lineman, blew by Melvin, who was then overwhelmed by three different guys. And before you know it, Phillips got no time. You know, I think that was like the second or the third straight three and out. And, you know, that's you're right. I mean, it's and, and look, these backs are good at blocking. Um, but for whatever reason, 
that, well, not for whatever reason, you can't block three guys. No. And, and that's kind of what they were asked to do with, with, again, just the issues that they had. And I know it was something that Russell Okuna, you know, had, had addressed and said, you know, we've seen the film. We get it. We, we will make the adjustments. But clearly it was, it, it, you know, it was a pass rush that gave the inside a lot of trouble. And, and, and they're going to have to clean that up. Bunny, I know there was a stretch in that first half where the Chargers, they had something going. They had, a, I think Keenan got called for offensive pass interference and an illegal shift on, on a the big ship play. The shift was a bad one. Yeah, that was – but they had some momentum that just got killed by, you know, a, a couple of penalties. Is, is it just something as simple as just getting into a groove and, and hopefully – being able to outscore this team. The, the thing with this Ravens team, it doesn't matter if it's the Bucks, the Browns, the Chiefs, all these games are three-point games. Right. And, you know, it's it's just like you're you're almost like forced to play their brand of football. The um I think the I think you kind of answered the question yourself there, which is the penalties break their rhythm. Yeah. You know, it's a rhythm-based offense. Every offense is, but but when Rivers can get into a rhythm, that's when you start seeing 25 straight completions, 28 of 29. He's a rhythm passer. Um those first two that you mentioned, that was the second drive, I believe. You have Keenan Is that the first quarter? Uh, it was first quarter. Yeah, okay, there's yeah. second drive, first quarter, and you have the offensive PI, which was okay, I get it. He extends his arm, but mm-hmm. there was some back and forth yeah. there. But the worst one was Keenan yelling at Phillip and, and that there's just no excuse for him not to be set there and that's a pass that gets into Ravens territory that now at the at the worst you got a field goal attempt to try to tie the game and instead you get the flag for the the shift and now you're looking at a third and 20 and look that Ravens game wasn't an anomaly it happened against the Broncos and that loss it happened again this past week in week 17 against the Broncos where big plays were negated by penalties and that's the easiest way to mess up the rhythm of an offense and I'm sure it's something that the coaches are addressing about having to clean up in the postseason look you get a positive play against this defense and instead of going to let's just go to that first and 10 from the 39 with three minutes left down six instead of having second and two from the 31 you now have first and 20 from your own whatever it was 50 from the 50, or I think it was from your own 49. And it changed everything. Um, so, yeah, they got to clean up the penalties, no question about it. For everything we've talked about, keys to, to victory, I just think it's getting ahead on this team. I mean, five of the last six wins or six of the last seven wins, something like that, the, the opponent has scored first. And I go back to the games against, and I realize they're inferior opponents, but, you know, Buffalo and Cleveland, when you get up on a team early, um, that offense is rolling, that defense can can play from ahead for once. And, and I think that's the way that they can get this job done. Not to mention, you know, and just to use Coach Lynn's word, hit his ass. You know, you got to get after Lamar early. Yeah. And, you know, they had him in pursuit and they allowed him to escape and they allowed him to get to the sideline. Can't do that. You have got to get up on him and you got to make him pay when he decides to keep the ball. And I'm not saying, you know, with cheap shots or, or anything like that. I'm just saying tackle him. Make sure he feels t- – if he's going to run the ball 17 times like he's averaged, you want him to be tackled 18 yeah, you know, or, sure. or 20 because anytime he runs that it. mesh, he's no longer a quarterback. He's part of the play, and you can hit him you know, before he hands that ball off. So I think that's probably a big part of the message too is, hey, 17 runs, 20 hits. That's what you need on that guy. So he thinks twice about running it because he's not the thickest guy out there. You know, he is not built like a Josh Allen Mm-mm. or, you know, a Tim Tebow for that matter. Guys that are really 230 pound backs. That's not him. He's, he's more of that track athlete. Down. He's smart getting he's down. He's very good at it. But at the same time, if you get, you, if you get a shot on him, he's like exactly. said, he's not, he's not like no. a Cam or a Josh Allen. Exactly. So that's, that I think is the key to score early, make him feel it early, you know, and try to make up that half second, half yard that he got away from Derwin 
Irwin and got away from Bosa and Melvin Ingram on those multiple occasions. You know, make up that half second, and that'll dramatically change the game. Meaningful football in January, though. Man. Pretty have fun. You, Baltimore? Have you been to Baltimore? I have, yeah. yeah. It's been a while, but uh, but I, I've been to M&T. Uh, I've done a game there before, so very much looking forward to getting back. It's a great crowd. It's an awesome atmosphere. And, hey, if these players say they like adversity, um, they're going to get it. Yeah, they <laughs> they will definitely get it uh, when it comes to the crowd on Sunday. And if that's what they thrive on, then, boy, they got a lot to thrive on. If they get it, they'll be 9-0 on an airplane. Money, thanks so much, man. Anytime. All right, Chargers fans, it's playoff time, and at Pizza Hut, they're more than a $5 lineup of medium one-topping pizzas, wings, and Cinnabon mini rolls. They're the easiest choice you'll make all week. Just $5 each at Pizza Hut when you buy two or more. All right, welcome back to Chargers Weekly. Very pleased to be joined by NFL Network Steve Weiss. You know it's a big game when Steve is in Costa Mesa. What's up, man? Well, you know, they're all big games, as we like to say in uh, in a journalism cliche. But, no, this is great. I mean, it's been fun. I've been around this team, you know, a decent amount this season. Great guys to deal with. Great coaching staff to deal with. You're pleasant. I love just seeing the media crew. And, you know, it, it's a big game. The Chargers are deserving of this big game. And the opponent. I mean, as we know, the mm-hmm. Baltimore Ravens, that Week 16 game, even though the score doesn't reflect it, that was a neck-and-neck game. Oh, yeah. Until the late until the late turnover. Um, so I, I think this, this is going to be a fantastic and great wild-card matchups. Styles win fights most of the time. I don't think the Chargers in Week 16 were able to kind of show their style, so to speak. Got a better opportunity this week. You know, these last seven games for the Ravens, just it's been two different teams, essentially. You have yeah. Flacco under center, you get, now you have Jackson under center. They're averaging 230 rushing yards on the ground. I thought the Chargers did a pretty good job defensively, but offensively, it was the first game they've been held under 20 points all season. That offense has got to get rolling on Sunday. Yeah, they never got into a flow. I mean, and the one thing the Ravens did a fantastic job of doing besides getting at Phillip Rivers in passing situations, which were often behind the sticks, you know, football vernacular for third and eights, third and nines, is they denied throws to the wide receivers. There are very few completions outside the hash marks. And that has to change. Even if it's a quick passing game, you get the ball to Keenan Allen, you get it to Tyrell Williams, whatever, let them get five yards chunk here, five yards chunk there. Get them on their heels. The Ravens were never on their heels at any point of the game. And when you allow T-Sizzle and some of those guys to come after you and let those big corners lock up your receivers, that is the recipe for doom. And that's the one thing the Chargers really have to avoid. I was just talking to Matt Money Smith about this too. There was a sequence in the first quarter where they were getting rolling a little bit. There was an offensive pass interference on Keenan, then an illegal shift on a big play yep. Mike Williams. There were some plays there, some potentially momentum-shifting plays that they just could not get going. A lot of pre-snap penalties, just kind real, of a sloppy first half. Yeah, real uncharacteristic penalties. It was kind of like, okay, we know these guys are coming, we know these guys are coming, let's get in position. Oh, there's there's the false start. There's the Keenan Allen put, you know, that OPI, we can discuss that all day. I yeah, really yeah, care yeah. for that one very yeah. much. But it's you, you can't have those things. And they're playing in Baltimore, and it's a big stage game. It's going, to be, it's going to be interesting to see how it's called, if it's going to be tight for both teams up front, how that works out. Um, but the, the key thing in watching what the Ravens are doing to teams, and it's just an odd thing to say in the NFL, is they are physically taking it to teams. They are. And they physically took it to the Chargers the last game on both lines of scrimmage. If that happens again, the Chargers season will end Sunday. The Chargers really have to bow up and play much tougher football, and which should actually be – a good temperature game. They're not going. Listen, and, Steve, yeah. we, have, we have lucked out all season long. First of all, you, <laughs> you play Buffalo in week two, Cleveland, 
in October. It was beautiful. London, it was very pleasant for that time of year. Seattle, it didn't rain. Kansas City was a little cold. A little cold. A little but cold, still. but it wasn't too bad. Right. And then and then Denver, you know, we lucked out. It was probably like in the 40s, 50s for the Broncos. It's going to be so, 50, supposed to be 50-some Sunday. Yeah. And have you – I'm trying to think of a team that has had as much success on the road as the Chargers have outside of L.A. County, right? 8-0 mm-hmm. when you get on an airplane this year. And, and these aren't just the Buffaloes and the Clevelands. These are at Pittsburgh at night. At KC at yeah, night. At night. At Seattle. It doesn't right. matter what time of day. Um, they have embraced being on the road, and, and, you know, it's certainly showed the last month. Yeah, you know, it's weird. I used to cover the NBA, and, you know, during the Miami Heat's kind of first run of the championships in the late 90s, they were dominant on the road. And the, and the players would always say, look, we're on the road. It's just us. Yeah. You know, we can kind of lock in. And, and you see these guys – they do that. They they understand. Look, as we all know, when they play home games, there tends to be a good amount of opposing fans here. So that's going to build a natural chip on your shoulder. Like, you know, why do we have to go on a silent count from time to time because there's fans in our home stadium? Well, that's working for them in terms of, okay, this isn't different. We don't necessarily have to over-practice or over-prepare. Mm-hmm. And these are tough-minded guys. I mean, people don't understand – this relocation, and when they had to relocate from San Diego to here last year, that's tough. It I is. mean, it's a lot yeah. tougher than you think of. Think of any time you've had to move, even the pain it is moving from one apartment to another. Well, then you throw in – Yeah, don't get me started on that. Even up the road, yeah, man. <laughs> it's, it, it is a tough, tough thing, not just for the players, but for coaches. As an organization, there's a lot of things that go into it. So you factor that in, then you get the comfort, but then you've got a new coach. And you've got all this stuff, and that's last year. And they and they almost made it. They had that tough start, and they almost got into the playoffs last year. What Anthony Lynn and the fact that they've been able to turn all of this stuff mm-hmm. into a positive team-building spirit. And, and, and also, look, Tom Telesco, the players, it's not just talent. Chemistry is a mother. I, I tell you, Steve, it, it's not just these. It's, it's these, incredible. It's what not he's just done. these blue chippers. It's not just the Boses and the Derwins and right. these guys, Keenan's, Gordon. It's the undrafted guys. It's the fifth rounders like Desmond King, Austin Eckler, Justin Jackson being a hero in Pittsburgh, seventh round pick. I mean, you can go from one to fifty three. Michael Badgley coming in late, Senior Bowl, right? Like nine, ten months ago, a year ago. You know, so it's it's not just the guys that they draft in the first and second round. But the guys they drafted in the first and second round are not prima donnas. No. They are team guys. They understand what the mission is here. And that's hard. Look what's happening in Pittsburgh right now. How that's falling apart because some ego so has gotten in the way. Yeah. You know, and, and what Tom Telesco has done and Anthony has done in terms of managing that and, you know, blending young players with a veteran like Phillip Rivers or Antonio, that's not easy. So that's why they can go on the road and say, if you think playing, you know, in Pittsburgh is tough. Imagine going we've, what we've gone through the past two years. Imagine the changes we've had to go through. All we're doing here is playing football. Yeah. So whatever noise you want to create, that's nothing compared to what we have insulated in this 53-man cocoon. And it's just amazing, you know, seeing what is being built in terms of this locker room, in terms of attitude um, with this Chargers team. And, and I just think it's fantastic. They're built to go on a long-term run, but you know what? The AFC, there's every team it's in wide this open. conference that could do that. A- absolutely. It's wide open. And, you know, a guy that could could have a big say in, in what happens on Sunday is Derwin James. Oh, I, yeah. I had uh, Adrian Phillips on our Backstage Chargers podcast this week, and, you know, Adrian's first-time Pro Bowler, but he said it's for, for him, you know, just the satisfaction of seeing Derwin 
starting in his first year and how they've how close they've become watching film together just how Darwin will make a play and they'll talk on the sidelines say hey we saw that in tape I mean it's just to your point these are guys that are selfless guys just won't mm-hmm. play football well Darwin James loves the game yeah I mean and how it, did he go to 17 overall Steve that's what I'm still, still trying to figure a, that a, out there's a whole lot of teams right now because safety has become such a valuable position it used to be position non grata mm-hmm. in the NFL where okay you can get a safety anywhere well now because you're having these teams line up in five wide sets a lot of times two tight ends among the five you need a safety like Derwin James who not only can cover but who can also be kind of that last stop that last in run support yeah. before it gets to the back end that's a difficult position to play it's a difficult position to scheme fortunately Gus Bradley's defense has is designed for safeties to do that. that's why you saw Cam Chancellor and guys like that succeed in Seattle but Derwin James is such a special prospect in terms of the, the, the ability to tackle in the open field. And that is the hardest thing in today's NFL because today's NFL, it's not just 100 yards long. It is also 53 yards wide. Teams spread teams out, yeah. get them in nickel sets almost all of the time and make you defend every blade of grass. And Derwin James is a lawnmower. <laughs> he, is. he really it's is. Great. I mean, he, I he, love can, that. he can handle all of that. And he's absolutely fantastic. But again, talking with him, he, he just loves the game so much. And you know guys love to play because being a football player is a fun thing. He loves to play because he enjoys the pain of getting blocked. He enjoys the pain of getting up from a bruise. He enjoys everything about it. Yeah. That's a hard thing to really bottle and to come out with and deal with every day. And he's he's not a rookie. He just doesn't. No. He, he didn't act like a rookie from the day he stepped into this building. And he's got an alpha mentality. And... I think you've seen it week in and week out, just him getting more and more comfortable with the role that he has on this defense. So the defense, they have a, a task because when, when you're averaging 230 yards on the ground, it's a challenge. I will say this, though, 159 yards the Ravens had against the Chargers. They mm-hmm. bottled them up pretty good outside that first play from scrimmage from the Ravens. So maybe they have something there in terms of stopping Gus Edwards, Lamar Jackson, and this rushing attack. The key for this, though, is going to be the tight ends. You know, Baltimore's got Andrews. four different tight ends, and Andrew, you saw him with the big play last time. But they used Baltimore used his tight ends so effectively, and they, they put so many of them on the field at once. And then you'll see them do, you know, besides the trickery they're doing with this option – offense with with the backs and skill players the offensive line they're running crossword puzzles in there and they're really tricking up the defense because defenders read keys okay if the offensive guard steps this way I'm going to flow that way and they're running all this confusion and these tight ends are are part of it either they're lead blockers or they're acting like lead blockers and they're sneaking out on pass routes and that's how this offense is evolving it's it's amazing watching it because I was a bad outside linebacker at the University of Missouri a long time ago when we wore two-bar face masks. <laughs> okay, and we, we played assignment option football. And on one play, it's like, hey, look, if this guy goes in motion, you've got the quarterback. If this guy goes in motion, you got the pitch man. And that's it. Yeah. And now, you know, and you were kind of left out there as an outside linebacker to be the, the, the guy who they're reading, right, the quarterback's reading. Well, you're seeing the Ravens do. They're throwing blockers at the guy who's supposed to be red. When he's not expecting it, he's thinking he's going to have a free kill shot on the dive back or whatever his assignment is, and next thing you know, he's getting his doors blown off. Yeah. And you're like, where'd that come from? 
So the trickery that they're doing, it is very hard to say just playing assignment football using solid technique. That's where the physicality of this game has to come. It's where Joey Bosa and Melvin Ingram and Brandon Meebane, these tackles, they have got to be line of scrimmage resetters. They've got to push people back you know, a yard, a half yard to create some confusion so this offensive line can't do all this misdirection stuff and throw them off. That's another layer to this because it's a chess match. I mean, they just played oh, yeah. three weeks ago, so you best believe they're going to be watching a film, seeing if they can figure out anything on that on that Ravens offense. You flip it over to the Chargers offense, the fact that Hunter Henry could potentially play, mm-hmm. how much do you think that gets in the heads of the Ravens in terms of just sheer game planning? It, it, 100%. I mean, this is to, significant right? because even if Hunter Henry plays 15 plays, you can flex him out wide. Okay, so let's say you get in the red zone, okay, and you've got Mike Williams is what, 6'4", 6'5". You have Mm -hmm. Hunter Henry with his height. He's got the ability to stretch, to do crossing routes, things like this. Oh, let's put Tyrell Williams out there too. Okay, so now we've got a basketball team. You've got a hoops team, yeah. You've got a hoops team. Yeah, you've got big corners, but not like this. So there are different things that they have got to protect themselves. Uh, You know, the Ravens have to protect against in facing these big receivers. Plus Hunter Henry – they're not going to put him in positions where he's going to have to anchor or do things like that, I wouldn't think. But just knowing that, okay, he's out here, we may have to go to a bigger nickel set. Mm. Or we may have to do something and pop, bam, you pop Melvin Gordon up the middle because you spread him out. They, they, can't, they can't plug stuff. So it gives the Chargers a lot of options to do some things. Again, even though he may be limited, it is something <laughs> – that Wink Martindale. He's there. He's available. Some of that Wink Martindale, that DC up in Baltimore, is having to think about. And, um, again, like you said, it's a chess match. Mm. And how they're going to use these guys on both sides, it's, it's going to be so – that's why playoff football is so great because it's been all offense all season, and now we're talking about – you know, styles make fights. Yeah. Who can match up the best? We've seen it in December, play. too. Things have kind of tightened up around the league in yeah. December. Um, another guy who, who was not in that first matchup, Austin Eckler. Yep. And just the balance that he provides, especially a, a team that's going to press you like the Ravens. If you can get him out in space, make some plays, that they didn't have that uh, a few weeks ago. Yeah, I remember that's when Melvin Gordon was just coming back. And it was Melvin's first game first back. First game back, so he wasn't all Keen the way there. with the hip. Correct. So, you know, the Chargers weren't necessarily at full juice um, but adding Austin Eckler and, and doing some creative things with him the one thing is the Ravens got linebackers that can really run oh yeah so you know CJ Mosley's a monster um, so again that's where matchups but that's where Ken Wilson Hunt's going to have to be creative there's a lot of things um, that the Chargers can do to win some of their matchups that they necessarily weren't able to do because they didn't have an Austin Eckler in there at times but it's not none of it's going to matter if on the offensive line they cannot wrangle with the defensive front of the Baltimore Ravens, they have got to be able to create some some holes. They've got to be able to, to hold up against that pass rush, hit some quick passes, and just kind of get into a rhythm. Because once the Chargers do that, it's lights out. I yeah. mean, they, they can do whatever they want, but the Ravens are incredibly disruptive. You know, it's like no matter whatever team they play lately, they are they are really wrecking shop. I was just going to ask you your your key to a, a Chargers victory. It probably starts with that offensive line at one hundred percent. If yeah. the offensive line plays like it did last time, um, then the, the margin for error for the Chargers is none. Yeah, they cannot turn the ball over. Um, they've got to find ways to not have short possessions. We talked about the the penalties that he raced positively. They cannot have hmm. those types of mistakes. Um, 
but the, on both lines of scrimmage is where this game is going to be won or lost for the Chargers. We know the skill position guys can make plays, but if Phillip Rivers is having people at his legs like he did last game when he dropped back to pass, if Melvin Gordon can't spring for a first down on a third and four on a nice setup run play because it wasn't blocked well. Tough sledding. Tough sledding. Yeah. Phillip Rivers, listen, the, the Chargers are 7-0. and and they win the turnover battle. Mm-hmm. The, the last three games, they've turned it over a lot more than they had earlier in the year. So turnovers, and then I was just talking to Matt Money Smith about this, winning the first quarter, getting up on a team like this, the, the Ravens possessed the ball for 11 of the first 15 minutes of the game a few weeks ago. So just trying to flip time of possession, it's easier said than done. Well, it doesn't help when you throw an interception to start the game. No. I mean, and that was, look, the Chargers came in, uh, speaking to the players and coaches all that week, we've got to get an early lead and see how they play from behind. Where you throw a pick, and then the first play they run, they gash you for like a 30-yard run right up the middle. That gets your attention, but not in a good way when mm-hmm. you're on that side uh, of kind of the ball, and the, that, that side of the momentum. Can't let it happen, especially on the road. Just cannot let it happen. I'll tell you, I'll tell you another thing. We talk about takeaways and time of possession. They, they have got to, Lamar Jackson is a fumbling machine. He fumbles the ball a lot. Now, he recovers it a lot. But he fumbles like crazy. They have got to find ways, if they can't get a good lick on him, to get their hands on the ball. It's hard. Yeah, that's where 54-99 come into play there. That's where whomever comes into play. Yep. I mean, as long as they can get their hands on the ball, because he's feeling himself right now. The way he played last week against Cleveland, he was fantastic. Mm. And they've got to find something to get into his head a little bit. Like, oh my gosh, I fumbled again. Because that, that comes up, especially if you turn it all over on your side of the field and give – you know, the opposing team, the ball in field goal range. Yeah. And, you know, that I think if the Chargers can force a takeaway or generate some type of takeaway early on the opposing side of the 50, again, little things like that. Mar Jackson hasn't been in this moment before. Okay, he has 21 been, years old. 21 years old. He's not been in this moment before. That's something where you can make him feel like, okay, I'm in this moment. This is a big game. If I mess up. There's a whole lot of people who aren't going to be, fe- be able to feed their families that extra playoff revenue <laughs> sure. that they're expecting. So there's all kind of ways you have to try to get into his head. Man, the aftermath is going to be good on Monday. Yes, it will be. <laughs> yes, it will be. Steve Weiss, you're the best, man. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me, man. And that'll do it. A big thanks to Steve Weiss, Matt Money-Smith, Phil Sims, Eric Williams, and Jim Nance for joining me. And, of course, thanks to you all for listening. Don't forget, if you like what you hear, be sure to give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Please help spread the word. Enjoy the game on Sunday as the Chargers look to advance to the AFC Divisional Round of the Playoffs. And until next time, I'm Chris Harey.